you for joining us for the Help for Wounded Spirits broadcast. We exist to help those wounded and suffering through life's trials. Here is our host and best-selling author, Doug Carriger. Great to be back with you, folks. I certainly hope this finds you well and in the arms of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We continue on with our live broadcast from Camp Joy. It was recorded live. Obviously, it's not live now. We certainly hope that you're doing well. Uh, we're going to, so a week from today, so a week from the day you listen to this, you'll be hearing us. Uh, we'll try to get some more live stuff, maybe from the preaching or something coming out of Bemidji. Uh, but we'd love to have you join us in Bemidji, Minnesota for our camp. And uh, this is just a little piece of what camp looked like at Camp Joy. So hang with us. Here we go. So friends, if you have PTSD, let me tell you this, if you've been through things, you know, when people have a marriage problem and a pastor counsels them, the first thing they do is they look for the trauma or traumas that hurt the marriage, right? So the first thing you want to know is what started the bad times. Because certainly everybody gets married, everybody's having a good time, you're on a honeymoon for like 40 years, and then things slow down a little, maybe, I don't know. We'll give you a word on that. We hit 40 years out of over But uh, uh, what caused it? So everybody, and we're not picking on anybody uh, marriage-wise, but we're just saying when it comes to marriage counseling, you're looking for that one thing that blew everything because if you can find that one thing, or two things, or three things, then you can find out who was the person who made that one, two, or three things happen, and how can we, with God's help, use the Word of God to show that there needs to be a modification of behavior, to show what marriage should look like, right? And, and so we, we look out for triggers that go back to that thing in marriage counseling, and I had a professor tell me this in seminary, and I believe this, that the person who usually causes the problem is the person who keeps on bringing up the triggers. Remember what you did in 1999? Remember that? Remember so you bring those things up. It's you. You don't do these things. You don't do that. So it's constantly, so you look for that trauma in the marriage and or that buried memory so you can bring it up and people don't pick on each other anymore. You look for the same thing in PTSD. You look for it in, in all areas of counseling. What causes it? What makes this go on? We were counseling the Las Vegas Police Department after the shooting from the building, and I was, so it's weird. The Las Vegas Police Department has a sheriff and an undersheriff for its police department that are elected. And over the course of days, I got to speak with both of them. I got to speak to the female mayor out there, uh, was a Republican mayor, wonderful people. And, uh, and they were so blown away. They read the book, and, and they, they just wanted to start talking about traumas and triggers. Because she said, we need to find a way to get rid of these things that are built into our police force. We need to find a way that these things that are built into our culture. And it was a Christian lady, and she said, we need to do it in such a way they don't think I'm jamming the Bible down the throat, but they understand that, that God alone can fix our city. I'll never forget how, how wound up she was over that. I'll never forget that the sheriff of the police department, then the undersheriff had 40-something years, he came in and said, sorry, maybe this is my last week. I wish I would have had this 40-some years ago. Mm -hmm. He had not run for re-election as the undersheriff. So what happens is two people run for sheriff, and whoever comes in second becomes the undersheriff. And uh, so these types of triggers can help you. And then we're reminding people, no self-destruction. And there's, there's ways that we'll talk about self-handicapping, and uh, we'll talk about self-injury or self-hurt. 
is probably a better way of saying it. Uh, but these people hurt themselves. Now, uh, there's cutters, there's headbangers, there's people who punch walls, there's people who just sabotage their lives. They, they hold the bottle to the head and pull the trigger every night. There's people who do all these drugs and all these different things. And so we say no self-destruction. Honestly, evaluate negative thoughts, where you're at, take the self-destruction out of your life. And, and i got to tell you that self-handicapping is every bit as bad, in my opinion, as uh, banging your head against the wall or cutting yourself. Yeah. Self-handicapping is where you start saying things to yourself and others, things like, hey, uh, I'm not good enough to do this anyway. Our neighbor, a lady, she hires all the white power workers for the administrative functions and stuff at the uh, second largest oil plant in the United States of America, five miles from our home. They make BMWs. If it's got an X in it, it's made five miles from our house. And, uh, and anyway, they will get college credits. They'll get the you know degrees. Uh, they'll get recommendations. They'll search out things. They'll spend thousands of dollars to bring a candidate in and get ready to hire them. And about one out of three or four candidates, they'll say, what makes you think you do a good job of this? And one out of three or four candidates will say, I don't know all this. I don't have a lot going for me. That's self-handicapping. It's the same thing as saying, I don't know if I can do a good job at church uh, as a something. That's self-handicapping yourself. It's like saying, and it, it, it's almost a piece of apathy too, which we will cover a little bit after suicide here in a little while. Uh, but it's almost like saying, there's nothing else God can do through me. And there's nothing else God can do through me. Harry Truman, when he became president of the United States, uh, he had no idea he was going to become president. He thought he was made vice president because he offered the middle of the country that was going real Republican, real fast. And then Franklin Roosevelt died. And he sat down, if you read the book, if you read Winston Churchill's autobiography, uh, Harry Truman sitting in the room with Winston Churchill, and he says, I got to tell you, I'm just a farm. I never finished any college. I don't have a lot going for me. And uh, Winston Churchill looked at him and said, my mother's a tramp who slept with, her, slept with the king for years. No one knows who's my father. <laughs> my dad is a tramp mother. Uh, my whole family's been in jail. We're all drunks. Most of us died from cirrhosis of the liver. But, sir, God has said us in this room right now to handle the free world. And we need to get over our insecurities. Yeah. So I have a question with uh, the self-destruction. Uh, let's say you're dealing with something like chemical dependence. So how does this, you may cover it later, but how do you stop someone who is addicted there when they're in that really dark place? You're teaching about Christ and stuff, but there's no way you can actually, at least I don't know that yet, how to intervene to help them stop that self-destructing behavior because of the chemical dependencies. Right, you need to, and that's a really great question. You need to help them go to a place medically to come down from those chemicals. And they have what is a methadone in about five or six programs that, uh, uh, they have drug programs that are supposed to slowly take you off the heroin. And so that's where RU now is called what? CLL or what's it called? Oh, boy. They, they moved it. So it was right down here at North Love Baptist Church in Illinois. Yeah, and, they do an RU program. Right. Yeah. And they, so, but going to the actual resident, they have a doctor out there. Right. And they have one now. We drop people from our church over there. And where they, and the doctors prescribe methadone and slowly take them off the drugs while introducing God. Sometimes you can do it in your town. You know, they can get on a program and you can visit with them and they'll come down because there is a lot of heroin addiction. The, the number one addiction in America, who wants to take a stab at that right now? Drug life. 
So fentanyl is coming in, $3 now, you can buy a, a fentanyl pill anywhere in America. A fentanyl pill, they say, is twice as strong as heroin. It comes in a little pill. No one knows you're carrying it. If a cop stops you, you just drop it in your mouth. So if you're getting searched or something like that. So that's a real big problem, too. So, and you have this opioid. And so what the what our friends are doing who make fentanyl's need, people use fentanyl. People use pain medicine to get better. But the people who are making fentanyl are throwing things in it, like a little bit of crack or a little bit of rat poison and a little bit of these things. And it's just tearing up bodies and stuff. So again, you have to have some medical bridge. Okay. So, so okay, that, besides an RU program, do you have other avenues that we can do it? I mean, is there a proper procedure that we go to, say, like, to our, our local hospital or something, or is it just something, I mean, do you, do you have steps for us? Cause, yeah. Because we deal a lot with that where I'm at right now. It's just no, that's good. Thing. That's good. So here's what we do at our church, and what we recommend is you take someone to the emergency room okay. that are on drugs. They can sign in for three days. And then they're offered these diversionary programs. Uh, in our town, we actually have a drug rehab center that's run by the Evangelical Methodist or something, so a lot of people go to that one. And some people do the home program where they submit to drug testing every day. And uh, actually, our city, Greenville, helps them. They pay them a paycheck for five weeks to come on. But you have to take a drug test every day. So you go into a lab that they assign you to, and you give them a urinalysis. And so they, you know, put you on methadone, they lower the methadone, things like that. Uh, they lower the fentanyl. So if you're on fentanyl, their idea is to bring it down to a vitamin and bring it down to an ibuprofen or something like that. Because some, some of these people get hooked because there's real pain. Not only physically, but, you know, medic medically. You don't want to say if you can't. There's a lot of RU programs for the Lincoln churches. Um, if your church doesn't have one, maybe, you know, if somebody else has been there and done that, can come alongside and say, hey, dude, I, I was at where you are now. Yeah. But I'm in a much better place. You want to go to a better place? I'll hang with you. Yeah, so driving somebody to where they got to go and hanging with them and checking on them. And I've never seen, I've never met anybody personally, I've heard them speak, that personally threw everything away and was all right five minutes later. I've, everybody I've ever met would come down and had medical help on the way down. Hey, folks, if we just continue on, you got to hear Debbie's voice, my wife, on there. We'll be back with you in just a minute or so. We want to go ahead and let those radio stations do what they have to do. return shortly. Meanwhile, you're hearing this music while radio stations are identifying themselves and broadcasting advertisements. Folks, thanks for hanging with me. We're going to continue on with the live recordings we made while at Camp Joy, Wisconsin. That have come through. Now, I've heard people speak, but like people at our church and stuff, we drop them off at places, we help them, we hang with them. Even when we file a mandatory report, uh, our people, even our counselors, we tell them to go to the police station with them. Yeah. Go sit down with them and help them if somebody's been hurt, physically abused. We always say, go with them. Hold their hand, hang with them, uh, you know, help them get through this phase of the operation. A lot of time, 
a lot of times when someone files a mandatory report, somebody's getting arrested. And so you go in, you hold the hand, you hang out with them, let them stay at your home, whatever the case may be. If it's a lady, of course, bring your wife with you or wife's go with them, hang with them. Debbie and I have helped us to go around the country 51 times we filed mandated reports with police stations. And uh, at least 30 times, going back to our brother's question back there, we brought people to drug rehabs. And uh, we actually had somebody almost overdose at a church we were at. And they were kind of losing some things, so we called the ambulance. And uh, the, pa the assistant pastor got in the ambulance and went with the guy and hung him. And, and so they got him down. And then, uh, then the church, you know, what happens is, the hospital, if you're in that position, signs you in for three days. That's kind of like you're, you're jammed in here for three days. There's nothing you can do about it. So they went and hung with the person at that one church we were at. And then they were able to get him in a local rehab. And it was, it was called a Christian thing, but the Christian stuff's got to come from you. You've got to visit. You've got to open the Bible. Don't rely on some of these rehab centers and stuff to do the work. You know, you can rely on the new RU group. I think they still do it strong. But just rely on yourself, being that Christian crotch and helping people along and helping people out. And uh, we had people show up at our church on a, a Wednesday night one time, and they were living in a tent trying to get jobs at BMW. Everybody was kind of afraid of them. They didn't smell that good. They were sitting in front of the church. So back then, Tony Miller was the pastor. Tony said, hey, Doug, uh, if you go out and feed them and give you a receipt, the church will pay you and stuff. You can check on it. I said, pastor, it's my pleasure to open up. So I took them to... Uh, Burger King, cut them double beef whoppers, all that stuff, and uh, took them to the YMCA and let them shower. This is all at night time. I was a member of the YMCA. I'm like, hey, oh, they can shower. They gave them like a two-week membership. And anyway, the good thing about this family is they now teach third grade Sunday school. Uh, that was about 12 years ago. They both have jobs at BMW. One, uh, one works the operations deck uh, and uh, everything that comes in and out. They have kids. They own their own home. And so sometimes if you grab a hold of not every story ends that good. I understand that. Uh, but people in the church embrace these people. They had a tent, people brought them back food, let them shower at their house. Someone in the church offered the guy, Star, the guy, uh, uh, Missions 2020. He made a mission agency in 1980, thinking 2020 is never getting here. <laughs> you know, yeah, well, anyway. And uh, so he gave him his apartment within his garage, and they finally got hired, and, and God did the work. So looking out for one another. These people, there may have been a little drugs. They told me they weren't on any drugs. I, didn't. I just kept on feeding them whoppers. And what I did is uh, somebody gave them electricity in their tent behind the house, and they had a microwave and a little heater. So I said, hey, you know, McDonald's makes egg meat muffins. So by the time they're done showering at the YMCA and all that, I said, I'd love to buy you a bag of uh, egg meat muffins. And you just put them in the microwave. It was cold, though. I mean, they weren't going to go rotten. And uh, so I let them do that. And... Uh, and there's only so much you can do, but when you come up alongside, the people in the church came up alongside of these people. Pastor called the guy with the garage apartment and said, hey, the church will pay the rent for a couple months. Because these people were serious. They kept showing up at church. And so to give them a washing machine and a shower, got them a job. So you're no longer going in there smelling. You're going in there looking like a normal person wanting a job. So you pinpoint ways where you're sabotaging yourself professionally and my gracious is sufficient for thee. Remember, Paul went to the Lord three times, right? And uh, he realized that God was everything he needed to get through what he was doing. And so that's important to do that. And then, 
you know, this is a big thing. We need to accept the freedom that God gives us. And helping people do that is a hard thing. It just people are all the time saying, well, can God really do this for You know, one of the hardest problems I have when I counsel people or work with people all the time is they want to make salvation about emotions. They want to make salvation about something that's happened in their life 10 years ago or 10 minutes from now. And we say, we don't get saved because of emotion. We get saved because it's the words of the Bible tell us what we do, except accept the Lord and be saved. But this world is looking for this emotional Hollywood type of high and explosion in their life. You know what I'm saying? Everybody wants that explosion, I think. When, when you realize it's just God's word. We don't need some big emotional thing. You know, Elijah was looking for it. He looked for it in the earthquake, the rocks falling, the winds, whatever, the rain, uh, the fire. And Elijah got it with, hey, Elijah, you're okay, dude. That's hard, especially when you're where you live in this sensationalist world. So once you show them that we just trust the word of God, and that in the Lord, he is it that doth go before thee. He will be with thee. He will not fail thee, neither forsake thee. Fear not, neither be dismayed. So we always tell people, you got to accept what God gives you. God can give you a hundred gifts, but if you leave the gifts uh, and you don't unwrap them and you don't use them, it's on you. It's on you. So we've got to help people say, hey, you know, God gave us the gift of discernment. Let's talk about what the Bible has to say about that. And by the way, God gave us the gift of salvation and then blessed assurance. It always messes people up when you do a blessed assurance study. When we planted our church, we had the ABCs of Christianity. Remember that guy out in Washington State did that big book? And we just went through that for Sunday school for, I don't know, we liked it. We were so going through it. So, and that. Uh, and the Lord, he doth go before thee, he will be with thee, he will not fail thee, he will not forsake thee. And then, you know, where does your joy come from? You know, uh, I had someone ask me, actually a little girl in the last church we in, asked me what the difference was between joy and happiness. And I think I explained to her that happiness is fleeting. We get happy, we go on a happy date with our spouse, we take the kids out to eat, we go to a sporting event, you name it, makes us happy, right? But it goes away. It's fleeting. We go through little happiness patches. I, I went, we, uh, Debbie and I went and picked Heidi up yesterday. We, we stopped and I had an ice cream. I was happy. But I didn't get permanent joy from that vanilla ice cream. Yeah. But joy is something that God gives. Yes, sir. And it, it stays with us. It hangs with us. It's a joyful thing. It never leaves us. And uh, so we got to remember we find our joy in the Lord, not our kids, not our circumstance, not our concerts. Not those things we go to. Those are all good. Don't get me wrong. But joy comes from the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord always. And I say again, rejoice. Hey, folks, we're really glad you hung with us. Listen, tomorrow we're going to come back with a brand new set of audio recordings that we made at Camp Joy, Wisconsin, as we continue on this week giving you a taste of what a PTSD camp is like. And uh, Kevin and I will be back next week, and we'll make sure that we bring in on that. Well, God bless you, folks. Have a great day today. Thank you for listening to our broadcast. At Help for Wounded Spirits, we believe the Bible and place great importance on you having a personal relationship with your Lord and Savior. The Bible delivers a clear and simple message of salvation, outlining how you can begin your personal relationship now. First, recognize that you are a sinner, as all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Second, understand that there is a cost to our sin, as the wages of sin is death. Third, 
realize that Jesus alone paid that price. To receive salvation, simply ask the Lord to save you in Jesus' name while believing in your heart that He alone can save you, and He will. If we can help you with your salvation or to direct you to a local church, please do not hesitate to contact us. For additional helpful resources, including our new TV series, more information, or to donate and support this crucial ministry, please visit us at WoundedSpirits.com. May God bless you.